bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. It's November 22nd, and I'm Steve Bonta, filling in for my colleague Paul Dragu, <clears throat> who's still on vacation. We don't know exactly where he is, but we envy him. Well, yet again, the left is up to its standard tricks, using slander and innuendo to try to destroy an organization and an individual they despise. In this case, Elon Musk and X. At least 30 million more Americans will have to disclose how much money they earn via popular online payment platforms. And today is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. We have these stories coming up, but first, nearly two years after booting the unvaccinated soldiers, the Army is now asking them to rejoin the forces. According to the letter signed by Brigadier General Hope Rampey, Army Director of Personal Management, personnel management, former soldiers who were separated due to COVID-19 vaccine refusal can request a correction of their military records. The letter provides guidance on con contacting recruiters to return to service. It is unclear if returning soldiers will rejoin their former units or military occupational specialties. The Army began discharging servicemen non-compliant with COVID vaccine mandate in February 2022. Now, at that time, over 3,000 troops had requested permanent medical or religious exemptions, with only six being granted, according to the official data. The 2023 National Defense Authorization Act compelled the Defense Secretary to rescind the vaccine mandate, with the Army officially suspending separation actions for noncompliant soldiers in February 2023. John Frankman, a former Green Beret in the Army Special Forces, recalled how the Army treated the unvaccinated during the pandemic years. And service members who were kicked out, they were treated terribly. Many of them were not able to eat and enter the dining facilities where vaccinated service members went to. They were forced to mask when others weren't. They couldn't go into the gym. Service members such as myself, I couldn't deploy. I couldn't move to a different duty station. I couldn't travel. When I was in a training environment, I had to wear a red wristband saying that I was unvaccinated and red tape trying to indicate that I was different or somehow unclean. And people's careers, their lives were messed with. They didn't know what was going to happen. You, you were messing with their livelihoods. Without any kind of accountability, without any apology and admitting that they're wrong, no one who is treated this poorly is going to want to return. I can guarantee you that. Okay, but now the army wants the unvaccinated who were booted out of the army to put their boots back on again. The letter asking the unvaxxed former soldiers to rejoin appears to be part of the attempt to address the major recruitment challenges, with the Army failing to meet its targets for two consecutive fiscal years. According to the Army Times, these challenges, quote, caused Army's end strength to fall from an original level of 485,000 in late 2021 to around 452,000 active duty soldiers today, its smallest full-time force since 1940. Joining me today to discuss this and other matters is the New Americans Editor-in-Chief, Gary Benoit. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you doing, Steve? Just fine. Looking forward to the Thanksgiving break. Yep, me too. Sure. Well, okay. So, so, I mean, I guess we could say that this is sort of, this This is, um, uh, what do we say? The, well, what happened a few years ago with COVID was this grotesque miscarriage of justice. And of course, it wasn't confined to people in the military, but we're talking about that. So now it appears that... Pretty much the army is getting what it deserves. I mean, unfortunately, because people were kicked out unceremoniously, were cashiered from, from military careers, 
And now the army is coming back, groveling and saying, oh, please, 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 sure. we, we want you back. But but the the other problem is that 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 a lot I, I suspect a lot of people saw what happened during COVID in the military, have also seen in broader strokes the way the Bidens the Biden administration has been behaving, uh, being irresponsible with the military. Obviously, the likelihood of a major war has grown very significantly with Biden presence. So a lot of people who otherwise would consider joining the military saying. I don't want any part of this. And so now, you know, we're stuck with this. So, I mean, getting back to COVID, we, you know, we were told that COVID was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So shouldn't all those unvaccinated people be dead by now? I I would think so if the propaganda were true. But of course, the propaganda is not true. And uh, you had mentioned uh, the Biden administration specifically. And I can remember Joe Biden getting in front of a camera. In fact, he did it multiple times saying that this pandemic, this COVID pandemic, is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right. And supposedly all the uh, uh, unvaccinated were risking their lives. Supposedly they they would die and, and the, the vaccinated would be healthy, unless, of course, somehow uh, they were made unhealthy by the fact that not everyone got the, the vaccine. And, of course, we know today that this whole thing was a, a big lie. But uh, regarding what happened in the military specifically, uh, I have a— um, a grandson in particular, uh, who was in the military at the time. And he refused to get the vaccine. And uh, he was forced out of the military. I can't imagine that he would go back again. Have you talked to him about this? This is interesting. Well, not, not, since, the, not, not since this most uh, recent development, but I should give him a call. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you, do, you, do you think there's any realistic prospect that droves of these people are going to say, oh, we'll forgive and forget, and we want to go back and... Uh, and serve our country again after our country unceremoniously dumped us. Uh, well, I'm sure so. there's always the the exceptions, but by and large, I think the answer is no. It's it's hard to imagine that people would go back after the way they were treated. And uh, of course, uh, there is a purpose for the military, and the purpose is to defend the United States of America, right? Yeah. Well. Uh, but uh, but how good a vehicle is the military? Uh, uh, how how equipped is the military? For doing that today, considering everything that's being done to the military by our own policymakers, because after all, it's not just these insane COVID policies uh, that has harmed the military. Uh, it's also the woke environment within the military. Well, and I, I find it paradoxical <coughs> that the, the, the number of personnel in the army is the lowest it's been since the Second World War at precisely the time when everyone agrees that the danger of another world war is at its highest point. Right. Okay. The, the danger of a World War III, which is what it would be, is at the highest point ever. It exceeds the Cuban Missile Crisis, which we'll mention in a later segment, mm-hmm. um, for those who are old enough to remember that. It exceeds any other point, you know, of, of, of maximal tension during the Cold right. War. You know, everyone knows that a major war with Iran, with Russia, with China, or with North Korea, or some combination of the above, could literally break out at any moment. And at precisely this time, the military is severely understaffed. Mm -hmm. And I would venture to say, though not a military person myself, probably uh, severely demoralized at this point. Not just because of COVID either. Yep, and I would uh, agree with you. And um, uh, my goodness, uh, it's not just the fact that there's a likelihood of war, but, but uh, it's also the fact that policymakers themselves are trying to make the possibility of war even more likely. 
Right. And uh, let's point to a U.S. senator, although he, uh, he's not a, a policymaker himself, but but let's take a look at Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, could you imagine uh, a war, any war, uh, that uh, Lindsey Graham would not want to get involved with? Uh, he wants to go to war in Ukraine. He wants to go, you know, uh, wants to go to uh, war, uh, uh, you know, uh, with China. Uh, you know, he, he wants to go to war uh, basically anywhere where you could imagine the possibility of a war. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there have always been such in, in, in Washington and both parties. Mm-hmm. But I mean, an additional complicating factor is the woke military that we now have. Yes. All of these woke policies that are, have served to denature and emasculate our forces, again, at a time when we may very well need them. I mean, there, there, there's a distinct possibility that a legitimate war could break out. Much of our policymaking, if you can dignify it with the term in Ukraine, has certainly increased that likelihood. But nobody trusts Biden to do the right thing where Taiwan is concerned or the Chinese dispute with the Philippines. I mean, these people are clueless about about how to carry out foreign policy. And so we might end up, you know, we could end up with a situation where we're in war, a major war led by the most inept possible administration. And at the same time, Steve, look look at what's happening on the home front, uh, because we're following a policy of open borders. Right, where right. we're protecting borders elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who in their who in their right mind? And so, of course, obviously, this holds doubly true for mm-hmm. people who've already gotten a slap in the face over COVID. I wish them well. I hope the military can recover. I have no animus myself. Thanks, Gary. Well, next up, the left is trying to destroy Elon Musk and X via slander and innuendo. We'll be right back to talk about that and other issues right after this. As a lumberjack, I've been cutting wood for decades. My job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. My axe goes through every time. You remember when everyone bought all the toilet paper? And they wanted me to wear these things? And someone invested a lot of money into this stuff. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At the New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. Visit thenewamerican.com and subscribe to get 50% off the cover price. And if you want an even better deal, use the promo code 10OFFSUB. Again, that's 10OFFSUB for more than 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. Yet again, the left is up to its standard tricks, using slander and innuendo to try to destroy an organization, an individual they despise. In this case, it happens to be Elon Musk and his company X, formerly known as Twitter. The left detests Musk for his takeover and subsequent makeover of one of their most powerful captive corporations, the former propaganda outlet Twitter. Okay, well, Twitter, you you may recall, was more responsible than any other private organization of systematically censoring and silencing dissent on the right in order to destroy Trump and get Biden elected and also to promote the leftist establishment line on COVID, China, 
the, the Hunter Biden laptop and many other topics deemed sensitive by leftist opinion molders. The rejuvenated and renamed X has become a new haven of free speech and freewheeling dissent, which is, of course, why the left hates it and its new owner so much. Well, now, in a despicable smear calculated to drive away advertising revenue, the leftist media watchdog organization Media Matters for America, or Media Matters for short, has issued a report alleging that X deliberately places ads next to anti-Semitic content. Adding fuel to the fire, Media Matters also gleefully reported on a single Elon Musk reaction agreeing with a tweet that has been deemed racist, the substance of which appears to be that Jewish communities support so-called replacement theory and related policies that discriminate against non-Jewish whites and seek to alter racial demographics. I'm not really sure of the exact meaning, but I think that's what it means. As a result of the controversy... A number of large companies, including Disney and CNN, have suspended advertising on X. Elon Musk, who has steadfastly denied charges of anti-Semitism, has initiated what he is calling a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters, in which he's claiming that the group deliberately manipulated data to make it appear that X is pursuing a nefarious anti-Semitic agenda. Now, ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino Hardly a political extremist of any stripe weighed in on def in defense of Musk and X. And she said, quote, if you know me, you know I'm committed to truth and fairness. Data wins over manipulation or allegations. Don't be manipulated. Stand with X, unquote. She also said that the information being promoted by Media Matters only applied to a single account on X. And Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has also launched a fraud investigation into Media Matters. The nonprofit so-called media watchdog, in response, has doubled down on its claims and confidently predicted they will win in court. Okay, Gary. Well, I mean, first of all, just a few more details. From what I can gather, what Media Matters allegedly did is this. They went to this particular anti-Semitic tweet in question. Right. And, and, then they and then they proceeded to hit reload again and again and again to get the advertising banners to change. And when they got the desired advertising banner, a CNN or an Amazon.com or, or something like this, then they would take a screenshot of that. Right. Okay. And then they, then, then they trotted this forth as evidence that, oh, boy, you know, as a matter of policy, they're encouraging their biggest advertisers to advertise, you know, advertise in juxtaposition with these anti-Semitic tweets. Now, to be clear— X does engage in a certain matter of uh, content moderation. Okay, so but, oh, sure. but I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, we which, do as well for which, our comments, which we do mm -hmm. well. Obviously, I mean, you know, we, we do not permit anti-Semitic or a racist or other hateful content, or for that matter, content that's not carefully researched and, and verified in the pages of our magazine, on our website, or on this show. This is standard practice. It's our right. It's our stuff. We can do what we want. Okay. There is a difference, though. I mean, I mean, I mean, X purports to be the sort of public commons. It's not really the same thing as a magazine sure. or a, pub a website that publishes information. It's a forum for discussion. And so one would suppose, and certainly Elon Musk has, has, has more or less made clear, that he believes that, you know, the free, th free speech threshold to be much lower for them. So they do allow a certain amount of speech that people would, you know, would, would call hate speech or despicable or whatever. And, you know, I mean, part of the problem is that free speech by definition, if it's not maybe hate speech outright, it's certainly speech that some body of people is going to find offensive. I mean, if it's speech that everybody is okay with, 
then who cares and then what's the point? <laughs> sure, I mean, I mean, you know, they've yeah. got that type of speech in, yeah. in, in communist China and, and, yeah. and all over the but, world. But uh, free speech right. should not be defined as only speech that we agree yep. with, which is how the left defines it. Uh, and of course, too, the, the left, they, they propagandize. Uh, not only do they have a point of view, but they skew the news, they skew everything uh, in order to try to get people to come to your, uh, their point of view. Mm-hmm. We have a point of view as well, Steve, and we're very proud of it. We, we feel like we're, we're old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, and so we're going to be on the right side and, and say what is was right and true, but we are honest about it. We're honest about the fact that we have a point of view and that we don't distort things, we don't take things out of context in order to try to advance our point and, of view. And I would add to that, on the relatively rare but occasional instances when we do get it wrong, mm-hmm. we publish something amiss, what do we do? Right. right away, we issue a retraction. That's yes. what any responsible media or information, you know, purveyor of information type right. organization will do. And, you know, so you, you, can, you can typically the, the, these leftist propaganda mills masquerading as, as impartial purveyors of information. Right. Which can, is the first line. Well, you can detect their duplicity. Because they always double down. They, mm-hmm. never, they never look and say, oh, oh, we made a mistake. You're right. And I mean, even like the New York Times, very, very seldom, despite being the so-called newspaper record, they almost always double down on all their, you know. I mean, I don't, sure. I don't know that any well, major the, media group, you know, in the mainstream news media, for example, ever admitted that they lied, misrepresented, and censored about the Hunter Biden laptop story in the run-up to the 2020 election. That is a really good point. For example, right? So that, that, that automatically says they're more in the domain of propaganda than they are in the domain of actually furnishing news, albeit opinion. I mean, obviously we have editorial opinions. We're, we're, right. we're not complete. We're not impartial. We don't make any pretensions of that, but when we make a mistake, we own it. And I, and I think that, but, but that's not the case and certainly not the case with media matters. Now they are, I mean, their conduct is exactly what you expect. They're stock in trade because they can't win on ideas. And they know that. Oh, sure. You know, well, if they, it were a level playing, uh, playing field, the cause of freedom would win every time. Oh, right, because right. people, yeah. I believe, do have a yearning to be free. Well, and I just want to, you know, I just want to show. I mean, the, the, so, so their whole, the, the, their their modus operandi are smears, slanders, and distortions. If you go to their website, I'd like to do that for just a second. And for for those of us who are listening, you know, can describe this a little bit. That the that the website that they have, you, you you take a look at it and scroll through the stories and see what they do. And you can see right away, you know, story after story after story, carry with, with, with various offensive caricatures of Elon Musk. The, the banner headline is right now shows Donald Trump. It's anti-Donald Trump. Every single story deals, you know, is, is this sort of caricature. There are no stories about Biden. There's no stories about anyone. It's all of these horrible right-wing bugbears who threatened to break. You know, so clearly, and, and even the style, the graphic style and everything just screams amateurish, um, you know, basement level, radical, revolutionary propaganda. Sure. That's all And it I is. would say, Steve, they take it to the point where it's counterproductive from their point of view because uh, uh, I can remember with the John Birch Society, which, of course, is the parent organization for the New American Magazine, uh, but the smears of the, uh, the John Birch Society prior to Magna, right. prior to the Tea Party and so forth, uh, where... The John Birch Society was accused, uh, or at least uh, the news media would report, that we've been charged with anti-Semitism and Nazism and so right. forth. And, mm-hmm. of course, the whole thing was a big lie. But now that big lie has been taken to a point where anybody who is more conservative than, than Joe Biden 
you know, anyone who is uh, more conservative with Hillary Clinton uh, is now considered to be one of the deplorables. Uh, and, uh, you know, half the country now is being accused of being racist and, and anti-Semitic. And, of course, the people are not buying it. No, no, I, I, I noticed last night was some coverage, and everybody, like at Fox News, knows about this. They've all been traduced at one time or another. Well, I need to turn. Thanks a lot, Gary. So, folks, the New American has just released our latest collector's edition bookazine. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. This polished collector's edition includes articles on a number of topics, including the self-sufficiency of the American founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many others. The authors are all experts on their respective topics, and we encourage you to get a copy. You can order copies at thenewamerican.com slash shop or by calling our office at 800-727-8783. Up next, at least 30 million more Americans will have to disclose how much money they earn via popular online payment platforms. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Welcome back. At least 30 million more Americans will have to disclose how much money they earned via popular online payment platforms. As the IRS kicked off the 2023 tax filing season earlier this week, the new Government Accountability Office report shows that for the first time, Americans will be receiving 1099K tax forms for earnings paid through Venmo and PayPal. According to the report, quote, IRS ex expects to receive about 44 million form 1099Ks in 2024 an increase of about 30 million, unquote. This figure, however, is likely to rise as the agency gathers additional information from larger filers and states. The report details that even modest earnings now need to be reported to Big Brother. It reads, quote, The American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 lowered the reporting threshold for Form 1099-K. Previously, reporting was required if a taxpayer had annual payments of 20,000 and 200 transactions. Beginning in 2023, reporting is required if a taxpayer has total annual payments exceeding $600, unquote. That's a pretty dramatic change. One of the critics of the new how rule was House Ways and Means Chairman Jason Smith, who called it, quote, a surveillance scheme, unquote, that will result in a nightmare. Smith said, quote, the whole plan is just another effort by Washington Democrats to use the IRS to target working families. According to the Joint Committee on Taxation, over 90% of this new tax burden will fall on middle-class families and gig workers who will be caught in the crosshairs of the Democrats' tax scheme, unquote. 
Well, the new rule, rule raises serious concerns as nearly 60% of small businesses are planning to ditch ta- cash transactions and go fully digital within a couple of years, according to the Visa survey from the previous year. Okay, Gary. Well, there you have it. I mean, does the government need this tax revenue to reduce the deficit? What's the motivation here? Well, certainly the government claims that it needs revenue, but uh, do you think Steve, the government would ever say otherwise. The government would say, well, we do not need your your taxes. Of course they would not. But uh, obviously there is a huge deficit, and that is a huge problem. And uh, those deficits are piled on to previous debt, uh, previous deficits. And so we have a a national debt now that I believe is about $34 trillion, and we can't keep going in that direction. So something needs to be done, but it's not more taxes. It's less spending. But when do you hear the politicians talk about the less spending? And, you know, they may do so in terms of uh, cutting the rate of increase of spending. Uh, you know, they'll look at future pro- projections and say, well, gee, maybe we shouldn't spend that much. But they're still spending more than otherwise, even when they cut those product- projections. And so we have to start making cuts in the absolute sense. Yeah, well, uh, but, uh, I'm not holding do, my do breath. Do you see that uh, happening today, Steve? <laughs> no, I just, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, obviously... <laughs> This is the nature of the state. It, yes. it is always ravenously hungry for harvesting the proceeds of the private sector using any excuse it can. And left to its own devices, it will not only raise taxes more and more and more and run spending higher and higher and debts and deficits also higher and higher. It will also increase in div- diversity and ingenuity the number and types of taxes. I mean, Blackstone writes about this in his commentaries on English law, how many different types of taxes there were in late 18th century England, for example. And that was a relatively free free country. So this same process is underway in the United States. The appetite is, is unappeasable. And as long as people who are hungry for more and more government as the solution to every possible problem remain in power, in control of Washington and obviously the the spending appropriation process in 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 you know the federal government we're going to see more of this and also at the state level by the way so this means that over time and we've seen this already since the inception of the the income tax it's become this grotesque complicated incredibly onerous thing that we all have to deal with and it's just going to get worse and worse sure. until someday uh, unless we get back to the constitution right, until, which is the ultimate until the solution. country either collapses mm-hmm. or you know measures are taken to correct it okay well, for our next story, Italy became becomes the first country in the world to ban globalist-promoted synthetic food. Last week, the country passed a law prohibiting the production, sale, import, and export of laboratory-grown meat and other fake foods, including the insect-based ones that we've discussed on this show before. According to a Reuters report, quote, factories breaching such rules can be subject to fines of up to 150,000 euros and risk being shut down, while others may lose their right to obtain public funding for up to three years, unquote. The wire service continued, critics of the bill say producing meat without breeding animals would limit greenhouse gas emissions and provide an option for consumers who would appreciate eating a product that does not involve slaughter. The opposition warned the government risked breaching EU single market rules by unilaterally banning the product in case the bloc ever decided to make lab food available, unquote. The move has been praised by Italian agricultural groups keen to protect the country's 9.3 billion euro meat processing industry. Francesco Lollobrigida 
Italy's Minister for Food Sovereignty and Agriculture, told Politico that, quote, the measures were about defending work, environment, culture, and identity, which are rooted in food quality, and that they were intended to defend our civilization against a model driven by delocalization and long supply chains, unquote. As of today, there are only two countries that have approved the production of lab-grown meat. Breaking ground in December 2020, Singapore approved cell-cultivated chicken meat. And the United States followed the case in June 2023, granting two companies, Good Meat and Upside Foods, the go-ahead to produce synthetic chicken for Americans. Well, just a couple comments on my own. First of all, I mean, if people want to produce and consume this garbage, I suppose it's their right to make that choice. As long as they know what it is. And, 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 and there should be truth in right. advertising. Sure, there should be truth yeah. in as long as it doing it right. the banning the I mean, real so, stuff. Somebody should not say this is meat if it's mm. not meat. Well, and another point I would make is of all, of, of all the countries to, to, to say no, or in this case, non, to this, um, you would th- Italy, certainly, it's a pro- fitting that it should be Italy, which has one of the world's finest cuisines. I mean, the Italians are nothing if not discriminating right. in their taste. And the idea that you could take a country like Italy and foist all this horrible, tasteless garbage, meritless garbage on them, he, I, I, I yeah. don't think that would fly. Uh, you, you cannot imagine, Steve, an Italian who loves his uh, national cuisine uh, is somebody who would enjoy eating insects. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as someone who's eaten insects myself, uh, on rare occasion, and in foreign countries, just for context right, in here. In third world countries, I presume. <laughs> well, I can tell you, for example, in, in, in Taiwan many years ago, I ate, I ate fried mole crickets, and they were pretty good. They taste mm-hmm. kind of like shrimp. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I, I, I don't care for those champulines, the, the basically the little, mm-hmm. the little crickets that they have, the seasoned crickets that they eat in big bags down in Mexico. They're kind of... They're kind of grim and mild. Right. So, so different strokes for different. They eat they eat canned caterpillars in in, in parts of southern sure. Africa, and these are sold in grocery stores. So, I, I mean, insects can be eaten. In fact, I mean, in the Bible, you know, people eat locusts, which are a type of large grasshopper. Yes, and they are quite edible. I mean, insects are nothing more really than land shrimp. Some of them, anyway. So, a lot of them aren't. But, uh, but, but the idea of forcing people to eat insects and saying to people, well, you can't eat meat anymore because of uh, climate issues or because it's immoral to, to slaughter animals or whatever the pretext happens to be. That right. is, is, yeah. is Or how about forcing people not to eat insects? Well, they wouldn't mm-hmm. have to force me not huh. to because I wouldn't want to eat insects to begin with. But, but my point is this, Steve, if the government can exercise the power to force you not to eat insects, why couldn't that same government exercise the power to force you not to eat genuine meat, right, right. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of like that old po- that old nursery rhyme with the you know the lady that swallowed the fly and and all these other things. I mean, she she started by swallowing a fly and ended up uh, well, she swallowed a spider and then she went on and swallowed bigger and bigger things until she finally she swallowed a horse. She's dead, of course. Right. So, but that was her choice, right? So yep. I mean, you know, she 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 was dumb enough to eat those things and well, nay, swallow them. You know, she kind of, you know, ended up. And then this is right. this is the thing about food here in the United States. One of the conspicuous traits in America is rampant morbid obesity. Okay, People here are really fat on average, particularly in Wisconsin, which is, which is, un, which is unfortunate. <laughs> Where we but, are. <laughs> but, it, but it is a matter of choice. And a lot of people, of course, eventually see the error of their ways and say, OK, all right, you know, I'm going to start trying to get more fit and all this type of thing. But it is it comes down to a matter of personal choice. And it's interesting that the left has been so keen in recent years on, on, on regulating what people can eat and what, what they can't eat. I mean, the city of New York, you know, banning, what do they ban? Like 
like like milkshakes or something like that a few years ago. I think ago. straws, but uh, yeah, I think sodas of a certain yeah, so, yeah, so, size. You know, big gulpy sodas. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, so so who knows? Next up, we're going to talk a little bit about the JFK assassination. The John Birch Society has been working tirelessly since 1958 to preserve freedom, safeguard the Constitution, and restore our God-given rights. We continually educate voters and lead the freedom movement. Join us as we work against a tyrannical one-world government. United as one, we can defeat this conspiracy against a free America. JBS founder Robert Welch said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Join us in restoring this great nation. Welcome back, everybody, for our final segment. Well, 60 years ago today, shots rang out in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, and a president died. The death of John F. Kennedy was the last, so far, the final of four presidential assassinations that have occurred in American history. And as probably everyone listening to or watching this, this show is well aware, uh, shortly after a man named uh, Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald, who was a leftist, had spent time in, in Russia, was a communist sympathizer and also a trained Marine sniper, was arrested for the assassination of John F. Kennedy and, and other crimes. He supposedly sat all alone in the Dallas School Book Depository Building and uh, hit Kennedy from a, a considerable distance as he passed in an open roof uh, motorcade. So, uh, and then of course, as you all know, he uh, Oswald was then himself assassinated in full view of the public by a local nightclub owner and mob, a connected mobster named Jack Ruby, who then mysteriously died in jail a few days after that. So very, very mysterious chain of events, which of course set off um, conspiracy theories and perhaps conspiracy facts and endless speculation in all the decades since. Now, I was not technically alive at the time, although I was in my my mother's womb and my parents lived in Washington, D.C., so they actually stood and witnessed the John F. Kennedy funeral cortege, and we have photos of that in our family album. But it, it doesn't resonate with me as personally as with some people who are a little bit older because I wasn't quite alive at the time, don't have any memory of the event. But with me in the studio again, Gary Benoit, you were alive at the time. Yes, you I do was. remember uh, what happened. Can yes. you tell us a little bit well, about and it? And technically, you were too, Steve, because you I were was. in your mother's womb. <laughs> right, so, but I, was, uh, I wasn't yet. Uh, and yeah. back in those <laughs> days, if uh, you know somebody had uh, attacked your mom, and God forbid if that happened, but if your, your mom were, were uh, murdered, let's say, in Washington, D.C., and you died as a result, uh, uh, the assailant would have been charged with uh, two murders. So what do you remember fact, about the that's, uh, what do you, you remember uh, about the Kennedy assassination? You were in well, grade I was school, right? uh, a decade older, so uh, uh, you know I was a decade outside of my mom's womb. But uh, I remember uh, going back to uh, uh, my public school classroom. I was, uh, you know, I, I attended public schools, and uh, finding out from our, our teacher, uh, my uh, fourth grade teacher, uh, that the president was assassinated, and. I have a vivid memory where, you know, we, uh, myself and my peers were confused. Well, uh, the president, what, what did you mean? And the teacher got upset with us. And, you know, she was obviously very emotional. I remember that. And she said, the, the president of the United States. So I have that uh, vivid memory. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, looking back on on JFK, and we, we have, a, you show, show our view, those who are watching, we have a copy of The New American, which just went to print, which is a special, not a special issue, but our cover story 
commemorates the JFK right. assassination. So right there's, there's some detail and materials on that that, that you can peruse for the details. But the, the problem is that I'm not an expert on you know, Grassy Knoll and Babushka Lady and all the rest of that stuff that, that, that comes into play. But it does seem to me that there are a lot of people, a lot of people and a lot of organizations who plausibly could have wanted Kennedy dead. That, that, that certainly, and, and so there are a number of possible, you know, we like to call them conspiracy theories, but a, a number of theories about what may have happened, about who may have been behind it. They include the mob, Okay, they obviously the Soviet Union, which had only recently been humiliated by by Kennedy in the mm-hmm. the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, the country of Cuba, which was also involved, uh, his vice president, the scheming LBJ, uh, the CIA, and perhaps others. I mean, there there, there are a number of different, very plausible uh, victims or victims of of, of um, you know guilty parties, none of whom were mentioned by the Warren Commission that investigated it. And, and so it, it has very much the appearance of something that was swept sure. under the rug. Nothing to see here, folks. Let's just move on. The problem is, in 60 years, America hasn't really moved on. No. And I believe one reason why America really hasn't moved on is because the truth has been kept hidden hmm. for 60 years. Yeah, and uh, you're right. And so, uh, some files were released, but uh, many files have, have not been released. Uh, files having to do with the, the Kennedy assassination and... Uh, I know when Trump was president, uh, he released some of those files, but uh, not all. And uh, I know, too, that uh, afterward, Roger Stone, who for many years has been a confidant of Trump, asked Trump uh, what was in those files that had uh, not yet been released. And I have the quote here. Uh, uh, now, this is from Roger St- Stone quoting what Trump personally told him. Uh, Trump said, I can't tell you. It's so horrible you wouldn't believe it. Someday you'll find out. Hmm. So, Steve, we need to get those files released. And well, the American yeah. people should demand it. And and actually, uh, uh, Trump, uh, we, we know he's running for president again. He has said that when he becomes president again, he will release all those files. Well, and Robert yeah. F. Kennedy Jr., who's also running for president, hmm. he said exactly the same he's thing. He's the nephew of JFK. So we need to get uh, the nephew of JFK. And, of course, his, his dad was uh, assassinated as well. Right. But we need to get at the truth. We need to get those files released. Well, and, and you know, here's the thing. This happened 60 years ago, which means that in all likelihood, all of the parties, well, I mean, we know Lee Harvey Oswald is dead, but right. uh, a, a, any other, and Jack Ruby as well, so any other parties that were involved, certainly all of the, you know, the, I mean, any, anyone who was more than about 20 years old at that time, maybe mid-20s, is dead and gone. Mm-hmm. So... That begs the question, why, if all, you know, if, if there was some sort of a cabal that carried it out, the cabal is long since gone, unless maybe it isn't. Yeah, See, that's the only thing, the only thing that, right. makes, that makes sense in this context is they're not trying to protect individuals, because they're all deceased, but they're trying to protect some organization or organizations that were complicit in it that are still around today. And would suffer from public exposure, whether yes. it be the CIA uh, and, and the, or, or 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 perhaps uh, some other group whose name we don't know at right. this point. Well, going back to the special report that we did, uh, it's also the November twenty seventh issue of the New American Magazine. Uh, the cover title is JFK assassination and the deep state. Yeah, 
Uh, now, the deep state was not a common expression back in 1963. Uh, it's a common expression today. But uh, what we're talking about when we refer to the deep state is an invisible government. We're talking about uh, the unelected, invisible government behind the legitimate elected government of the United States. Uh, and just as that deep state is in place today, it was in place in 1963. Yeah, the term used back then, brain trust, somewhat mm -hmm. appro right. approximates mm -hmm. what we mean by the deep state today. And so the Dean Achesons and people like this right. in, in, in the Kennedy era. I mean, Kennedy himself is a bit of a mixed bag. Um, certainly his personal moral conduct was um, not above reproach. But in, he, there's no question he was an American patriot. Right. In a sense, he would have agreed with Trump, you know, putting America first and so forth. He did take a stand against certain things. For example, you know, making sure that the Soviet Union didn't get, well, they did actually briefly put missiles in Cuba, making sure that did not right. become a permanent state of affairs. That may have been something that the deep state of the day sure. intended and, to happen. That, and that, that was the, 1962. Yeah, that but, Cuba become a nuclear-armed right. country that they could then right. brandish and use, and that did not happen. So who knows? But That's, something that, that did happen, and it happened in the wake of the assassination of JFK, uh, was catapulting the United States of America into the Vietnam War. Right. And that was something that Kennedy was opposed to. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was planning to uh, uh, withdraw the few uh, few troops and advisors uh, that we had uh, in Vietnam. He was going to reverse the direction that the deep state at that time wanted to go in. And instead but we Kennedy got LBJ was eliminated, and uh, then guess what happened? We had the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, and nothing really happened there, but uh, the claim was that something did happen, that uh, U.S. destroyers were attacked, and and uh, and that catapulted us into the, the Vietnam War. Yeah, well, hopefully someday we'll learn the truth. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. If you haven't already, get a subscription to the print edition so you don't miss issues like the one we just talked about. Enjoy the rest of your day. Join us tomorrow for another episode.